Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Crew Podcast, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, joined by my good friend and co-host, Cody Frankel, who is bravely rocking that New York Yankees hat right now after the oh, Mets yeah, baby. swept them last week. I, I'm not a baseball Fun. guy. We talk about this, but man, I, everyone's talking about the Yankees are the best team in baseball and the Mets win back-to-back games. What's can, good with that? Can I just say something? Um, yeah. First off, I'm doing well. Thank you. And yes. second off... Um, yeah, no, the Mets are a good team. No excuses, but like you did pitch your number one and two pitcher against our five or against our four starter and a spot starter. Who's not even in our rotation. No excuses, um, but here's an excuse. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, but seriously, I mean, listen, they outplayed us. Sure. Mets fans are like losing their absolute minds. Like you, you won by a run. Like let's, let's settle down. I mean, you know, Stanton was Stanton was on the injury list. Like, you know, we, we all have our injuries. Like, listen, Mets are a good team. No, no doubt about it. And they play better than us. We went over 15 with runners in scoring position. And if you do that, you deserve to lose every single game. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't win games with over 15 in runners in scoring position. So we did that. We lost again, no excuses. You guys beat us fair and square. It was, it was two games. I mean, you know, Mets fans are doing what they do best and celebrating that July World Series. We'll see in October. In October, you guys win some series, then we can talk. You, you, you deserve it. I don't really know if I could be considered you guys. I'm not really like a, you know, I'm a Mets fan. When when they're a the Mets Yankees. fan, you're a Mets fan. Yeah. If the Mets start winning in the playoffs, I guarantee you, I'm gonna see oh. 300 tweets from you. Like, look at the Mets. Look at the Mets. Oh yeah. So, you know, you're a Mets fan until you're not, but. That being said, like, yeah, no, the Mets are a good team. They're legit, man. Like, and listen, at the end of the day, the second the Yankees lost that second game, we traded for the best hitter on the market. So outside of Juan Soto, we traded for the best hitter on the market. So if that's what it took for us to be like, oh, shit, we probably need to start hitting and, and get a guy who hits over 300, insert Andrew Benintendi. So it's fine. But that being said, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there's no excuse about it. Like, Mets are a very good team. Um, they're a legit threat, as are the Yankees, and – We'll see how this deadline shakes out because it's two days away. Uh, a lot of moves to be made. Supposedly going to be like the craziest deadline in 20 years. Yankees clearly need a, you know another premium arm. That would be great if we can get one of those top two starters available right now since you know Castillo left us, and I'm very sad about it. But um, you know Montas or Pablo Lopez would be awesome. And then Mets need a couple guys too. I mean, they need a first baseman bad, so Josh Bell would be huge or, or a catcher. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but it's definitely going to be – it's definitely gonna be interesting, and yeah, that's really all I have to say about baseball, man. But how was how was your weekend? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I had nothing else to contribute to that baseball conversation. But before we talk about the weekend stuff, do you want to mention who our guest is today? Because yeah, we're we have about. an awesome interview today, Vince Mercogliano. You all know him. We got some great scoops. We got some great insight on how the Rangers' off season's going. We went into you know captaincy talk and and our kids and 
our babies, our children. Um, no, it was, it was a really good combo and, you know, can't wait for you guys to hear that. But, um, first of all, Johnny is in 85 <laughs> degree weather in yeah. a Richter Jersey right now. Not sure what he's doing. Um, but it is a nice Jersey and, uh, turn that hat around. Let me see the hat. Yeah. Look at that. 94 champs hat. you're, you're just decked out for the, you're ready. My boy right here is ready for October 11th. Well, I do want to give a shout out to my good friend, Zach Siegman. He, uh, runs this company called Timeless Imbue, which is a vintage clothing company. Super dope. I would like check them out on Instagram if you like vintage clothing. He's got a lot of cool Ranger merch. Like I bought this 94 hat today. Super cool. And he gave me this Mike Richter Coho brand jersey. If you can see the numbers there, that 35. Really nice old school jersey. And we should talk about that too because the NHL and their uh, deal with Adidas is going to expire in 2024. We posted about the Michael Jordan brand possibly being the new jerseys. I mean, that was like my stupid idea, but I think the Jordan brand is just so dope that it would make hockey grow. And obviously like hockey players, you know, kind of want to build their, their swagger off the ice and um, you know, style has a lot to do with that, but why not make the style cool on the ice too, right? With the Michael Jordan brand, you see it with Michigan football. I think UNC football has it as well. So they're definitely reaching other sports. Why not hockey? Yeah. I mean, it would be cool. The Adidas thing's a shocker to me because it's so new too. It's I think like it was like they, less than they just years. took it over from Reebok. So it's very bizarre. I, I wonder if Reebok's about to be like, yo, let's jump right back in. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now that we're national coverage and you know, stuff like that, but weird, man. Um, yeah, that'd be cool though. No, I agree. And, and yeah, I just wanted to say one more time, timeless imbue it's I M B U E my good friend, Zach Siegman, great vintage clothing company. So if you do like vintage clothes, go check it out. I bought a really cool Eric Clapton shirt. I got a Ray Bork shirt, which is pretty cool. A flannel shirt, this hat, this jersey. And uh, I think I also got a Billy Joel t-shirt. So successful day at the vintage pop-up today. Successful day. And you also, for the record, literally said, hey, man, like, I'll get you something, whatever you want. Like, you know, I'll tell you exactly when I'm going, whatever. And then you wait and then you text me like, hey, man, I just got all this sick Ranger stuff, but didn't get you anything. Well, so the hat, go the fuck jersey. yourself. There was um, nothing else left there because no, he had, he had it on Saturday it. And, and today on Sunday. So when I got there Sunday, I actually asked him, I got there. I Eventually, like, oh, you know Rangers who your real stuff. boys are. Yeah, I was um, a little late. I was a day late. Yeah. Did you want to get into our listener question for the week and kind of tell everyone what we're doing here? Yeah. So Cody and I came up with this idea about a week or two ago, two weeks ago, maybe. Mm-hmm where, you know, when people talk to us and like say they listen to our show and love the show, a lot of people want to come on. And, and as much as we'd love to have everyone on as possible, it's, it's just hard to do that. So we thought of this idea where our listeners or just anyone who wants to talk Rangers in general with the two of us or with our guests even can email us a video at bluecrewpod at gmail.com. And we'll then implement that, you know, clip or, or whatever they want into the episode and we'll discuss it. So we got two questions this week and the first one well one of them is in the interview with vince so we'll save that one but this question came from rocco his twitter handle is at ny rocky 93 and he had a question for us so i'm going to play that right now and then we'll dive into it hit it hey what's up guys i'm a huge fan of the podcast um so my question is what do you think laffy and miller's contract extensions are going to look like thank you so thank you rocky for sending that question i think this is more of a cody question as our listeners know i'm not really the contract guy so I'm going to hand this one over to you, Cody. Yeah, I think it was a really good question, and it is a fair question. I pretty much asked Vince something similar. It all depends on how they play this year. I, I would say more so for Lath than Keandre. Keandre's kind of already established himself as a premier defenseman. I think he's only going to get better. 
if I'm being honest, I think they're going to try and lock up Keandre sooner than later. I think, I think he might get locked up before Lafreniere does. I, I know they both need to get a contract this off season, but I mean, if, if I had to say like, maybe they'll do Keandre at some point this season. And I, it's tough. I, I want to say they're going to give him a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. They might go five. They something similar to like the Igor deal. They might go four. So I'm going to say four years at, million a year. Do you think that Lafreniere will have a similar AAV or will it be a little lesser? I think, I think Lafreniere is completely number one pick. It it, it doesn't matter, man. He, he is completely contingent on how he performs this year because think about Kako. Kako's a number two pick. He just got $2 million. So, you know, like, so if I had to say like right now off, off the jump, like based on how I think Lafreniere is going to perform this year, I'm expecting a big year from him. I think he's going to be a 50 point player this year. I hope so. At least, um, it is a jump, but if I had to guess, I'm going to say Lafreniere will be 4.45 million a year. And I think they're going to give him depending on how well he performs either a three year bridge, similar to like what they did with Lingren or, if he performs really well, then yeah, they're going to go like five years at, at around that 4.5 mil. Um, you know, if, if, if he gets to the, the, you know, the gap that we're all looking for, because if he does that, then you can only assume he's going to build on that the following year, you know, but if he has another, like, you know, 30 point season, 30 to 40 points, like, yeah, I could see it being in like the high threes, mid threes for sure. Mm -hmm. It's so like hypothetical right now, obviously just because, you got to watch them play this year, right? Like, right. You know, I think everyone last year at the same time would have said that Kako would have a similar deal, assuming he would have a great year this year. And then obviously, yeah, I mean, know, he missed a lot of the season yeah. though. So it's like, you can't expect those things, but in a contract year though, that's a big thing. You know, yeah. if, if he's hurt, if one of them gets hurt, like that's going to affect their contract. So yeah, no, you know, you're, it, not, it you're not wrong one bit. Yeah. yeah. But uh, thank you again to Rocky for sending that question. in. and before we do go into the interview with Vince, there were some, Pretty nice stories about some current Rangers, Keandre Miller and Artemi Panarin. For those of you that didn't see, Keandre Miller is playing in the Beauty League, which is a men's league in Minnesota, which with a bunch of pros and D1 hockey players and, um, you know, a lot of good talent. But a story came out that this kid, Miles, who is not a sports fan, uh, one of his autistic traits is that he doesn't like crowds or loud noises and going to games brings both. But he loves to be included and his brother and sister are hockey obsessed. And the other night, Keandre Miller at the Beauty League took the time to sign Miles's shirt, chat for a bit and take a photo. And the smile on Miles's face said it all in this picture that was posted. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, he might not love hockey, but he's now a Keandre Miller fan for life, which is just some, you know, heartwarming stuff. Great to see Rangers just being good role models in the community. And then Artemi Panarin has a similar story as well. He's hosting a charity game in Russia and the charity will benefit a fund who is raising money for a little girl that needs surgery. And you saw a bunch of Russian professional players like Ovechkin, Orlov, Nachushkin, and a lot of those guys meet up, which was nice. So um, just great to see the Rangers and, and the big names, right? Doing well in the community. So yeah, I thought that was absolutely. heartwarming stuff from uh, Keandre Miller and Artemi Panarin. Agreed. Agreed. And uh I, why are you laughing at me? No, I just said there's not. I guess there's not. Did, did you get sunburned this weekend? Your face looks so I'm really red. tan. Yeah, I'm really tan. Tan or, or lobster? I guess sunburned is the yeah the equivalent. You're half. You're half and yeah. half. Yeah. You're you're no. You actually are though. Like the left side of your face is red, and the right side of your face is tan. Well, it's the ring lights. I got you're like two face from. Nah, you're like two face from Batman. Um, but yeah, that being said, let's uh, <laughs> send it to Vince. Yeah, you guys will love this one. 
This week on the Blue Crew, we're pumped to have on recurring guest and friend of the show, Vince Mercagliano from USA Today and Low Hood Sports. Looking like he's coming right out of the pool. Vince, how you doing, bud? <laughs> I'm doing great. I, I did just get out of the pool. I just hit a few golf balls into my net over here, then jumped in really quick, threw on a tank top, and, and now we're ready to rock. We're only seeing the top uh, half, though. Are you wearing a speedo underneath? Yeah, I can't show you. I can't show you beneath the beneath the belt here, boys. <laughs> you you have one of those little like um the little like turf things where you can where you can just start chipping the ball. I I will say that oh with the turf things, yeah, we got a couple little toys out here. I was gonna yeah. say with the bathing suit, I I will say that there's a decent chance you will see my father walking around and his bathing suits are pretty <laughs> skimpy. So if you see him walking behind me, just try to ignore it. Where are well, you located? I'm at my, my I'm at my father's house. He's he's got a pool, so me and the family end up here quite a bit in the summer, especially once the hockey stuff quiets down. God. Yeah, don't 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 blame you one bit. But um, yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice little luxury to have. Yeah, exactly. And I was gonna say, speaking of hockey, we had uh, some big news today. Obviously, you know, Kako signed for two years, just a, over two uh, two sheets a year, so. You know, I think everybody was waiting on that. So I guess I'm going to start us off with, you know, now that the team is basically rounded out, what do you think our top nine is going to look like this year? I think that most of the pieces you kind of know who are going to be in there. I think the question is going to be, how do they all fit? Right. To me, the top six is probably going to end up being at least a start camp. You know, obviously I think you've seen that Gerard Gallant is not shy about making changes throughout mm -hmm. the course of the season and tweaking here and there and trying to see what works. But I think it's going to be some combination of Kreider, Zabanajad, Lafreniere, Panarin, Trocek, and Kako in the top six. Now that would mean that Lafreniere in all likelihood would have to move to the right wing I think that when you look at the depth chart at right wing right now, it's hard not to to envision them at least trying that. And and they did try it for quite a bit last season. Right. I believe he had about 260 minutes on that top line playing right wing next to Kreider and Zabanajad. So they, they've done it for enough of a sample size to feel like, you know, there's some familiarity there. And, and I did not think that it worked out poorly when they did it. It didn't. Mm -hmm. It didn't pop maybe, but I did think there were some encouraging signs. I did think he played some good games with them. I do think that he was really excited about the opportunity to play with them. So I think that if you tell him, hey, we need you to play right wing, but it's going to be on the top line, you won't hear a complaint from him. He did say at breakup day that he would be willing to try that for a more extended period and that he, you know, he would try to prepare for that over the offseason if needed. So I, I think the top six is going to be some combination of that. I know I've heard from a lot of people that would like to see them keep the kid line together. I've written about this. Mm -hmm. My fear, if they keep the kid line together, is that even when they were clicking and playing really well in the playoffs, that line was still only getting like 13 minutes a night. And right. if, they're, if, they're, if they're together, they are almost surely, unless you're stacking the top line with Panarin, Zibanejad, and Kreider, which I don't think they're going to do. We already mm -hmm. heard from Vinny Trocek that he's been told he's probably going to play with Panarin. So you know you're going to have Panarin on one line, Mika and Kreider on the other. If you're keeping the kid line together, they're going to be your third line, which means situational usage is not going to be great for them. They're going to see reduced minutes. Gallant's going to lean on the top six. And I think it's time for those guys to take the next step and, and have more put on their plate and putting more on their plate. You're probably not going to see them on power play one. You know what that's going to look like with a lot of those guys returning minus Strom. So the only way to really give them more responsibility in my eyes is move at least Lafreniere and probably Kako 
into the top six and give them more ice time, let them play with some established stars and, and give them a real opportunity to blossom. And so what that would leave you as far as the rest of the top nine for the third line, obviously you're going to have Philip Heedle in the middle. And I really think at this point, barring a trade, there's a real good chance that you're going to see Vitaly Kratsov in the opening night lineup. If they don't trade him, he's going to play. I've been told that by multiple people. They Now that he's passed his entry-level contract, for them to send him down would mean exposing him to waivers. They are certainly not going mm-hmm. to do that. So if he's around, I think he is on that third line. And then the other spot on the third line probably comes down to Sammy Blay and or Barclay Goudreau. And I might lean towards Blay because we saw in this small sample size last year, we did see some skill from him. And I also think that they like the idea of having Goudreau as a guy who could maybe center the fourth line, but also move around within a game. We know Gallant likes to use him kind of like a chess piece. So I, I could envision Blay on the on the left wing on that third line with Heedle in the middle and Kroth up on the right that would be my projection at this moment for the top nine yeah yeah i'm i'm laughing because I, i'm just gonna head out because uh, you basically me and johnny had a couple arguments today and 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 you basically just took his side on everyone um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much he's a smart man he's a smart I, man I, you know i was saying i, I was i wanted lafreniere on pp1 and then also i was saying i wonder if Everybody, including myself, every fan, I'm sure you and, you know, everyone in general wants Lafreniere to break out this year. And it might be tough to do if he's not playing on his natural side. But that being said, again, like putting him in the best possible position to get a lot of points if he's not on PP1 is probably going to be with Kreider and Mika. So it's definitely uh, some interesting points you made there. The one thing, yeah, though, Vince. Listen, somebody on my, on my podcast wrote in, sorry to interrupt you, Johnny, but somebody on my podcast this week wrote in a question that I thought was interesting. And they made the argument that Kako should play with Mika and Kreider because Mika and Kreider are more shooters. And we've what seen I said Kako, today. Was, at least Kako in his NHL career. I mean, when he was when he was in Finland, he was he was a goal scorer. But since right. he's been in the NHL, he's been a pass first kind of guy, which might work better with Kreider and Mika. And then on the other hand, we know Panarin loves to pass the puck. And Lafreniere in his NHL career has been more of a goal scorer than Kako. So I could see the argument to flop those guys. But based on what we saw Gallant do last year, it seems mm-hmm. like his preference is Lafreniere with Mika and Kreider and then uh, Kako with Panarin. And I kind of feel like that will be the starting point for training camp. So I'm really happy you said that because all like literally all day on Twitter, I've been arguing that I think Kravtsov should be with Panarin and Trocek. I think Kako and Hedl have formed a chemistry throughout the playoffs. They work well together. I think they could have a heavy third line if you add Sammy Blay. And then when you put Panarin and Kravtsov together, two Russian guys who can kind of click just right away from that, two skilled guys, two guys who play kind of their off wing already as it is, right? Kravtsov, I'm pretty sure, is a lefty that plays the right wing or prefers the right wing. So I think that could be something that makes sense also. And when you have Trocek and Kravtsov on the same line, that just makes the top six so much faster than having Kako there with Panarin too, because Kako he's a fine strong skater but he's not a fast skater yeah I think he's improved but I still think he has a ways to go I I, I kind of I could see what you're saying there but I don't think they're gonna they're gonna start off with Kratzoff in Mm -hmm. the top six I think he's gonna have to force his way in there Kako has been around longer he's been here he's paid his dues more than than Kratzoff has at this point just knowing Gallant and and the loyalty that he likes to show to the guys that, that he has more experience with. I, I'm just talking about what I envision the lines being at on that first day of training mm-hmm. camp. You know, I'm going to send that first tweet when we see <laughs> right. the jersey colors uh-huh. and we see what those guys are doing. Opening day of camp, I kind of think you're going to see Kako and Lafreniere in the top six with Kratzoff 
on the third line. But if Kratzoff has a really good camp preseason plays well in the early portion of the season, absolutely. I could see him moving up to create a little more balance uh, later on in the season. I wouldn't rule that out at all. Yeah. And, and that's a good point for sure. And and while we're on, you know, this roster talk and so on, I mean, do you think the Rangers might actually give, you know, Othman and Cooley a fair shot to crack this roster this off season? Cause I know last time we spoke, you know, we were unsure and we were like, maybe Cooley, but you know, now they're both getting a, f- a shot to join training camp and so on. And it, I'm curious if it's like more of a, you know, just a good exposure type of thing for them or, and we're set as is, or they might actually get a shot to like possibly crack this third line, fourth line. And MVP of development camp, Bobby Trigno. Yeah, Bobby too. We could throw on Bobby T. Bobby T. Bobby, you know, your, your boy, Johnny, he impressed me a lot during camp. I actually just got off the phone with Coach Carville today. Really? Uh, I'm a little, yeah, because I'm, I'm working on some stuff. We do our annual prospect rankings in the, uh, in the summer, so that'll be coming out in late August. We'll be doing the top 10 overall prospects in the organization. And Bobby T is forcing his way into that conversation right now. So mm-hmm. you, 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 might see, you might see him. I'm not going to say exactly where, but you might see him sneak in. We'll see. It's undecided. I'm still making some final decisions. That make you said calls. number eight, but I did. <laughs> nah, we'll see. We'll see. But um, for Cooley, Offman, and Trevino, I think. So here's the thing: Cooley and Trevino, as it stands right now, I would expect them to start the season with Hartford. If either one of them performs well down there, they will absolutely be in the mix for a call up. Now. Could they have a tremendous training camp and, and really bully their way into the opening night lineup? I, I guess you can't rule anything out, and obviously injuries happen, so it's it's certainly possible. But if you're writing out the lineup on a chalkboard right now, which I know Gerard Gallant is doing in his uh, in his office, I don't mm-hmm. think they have those guys penciled in for spots. I think they'd like to see, ideally, both Cooley and Trevino go to Hartford and try to do some damage there and, 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 you know, get some experience there and earn their way up. Both of those guys, if they're, if they do enough this season in the opening month or two to show that they're ready, I absolutely think that you could see them in the lineup at some point this year. Othman is trickier. Now, a lot of people that I've talked to are, are telling me they believe he is the best prospect in the organization right now. So the upside I believe is ahead of those other two. But the dilemma with him, as I'm sure you guys know, is that he is ineligible to go to the AHL this season. So right. the Rangers either need to put him on the NHL roster or send him back to the OHL. And I mean, to me, it's kind of a, a lame outcome for him because he's obviously proven that he's one of the best players in the OHL. Mm-hmm. I do worry if he if he goes back there. What does that really mean for his development? Is that the best thing for his development? The best thing for him would probably be to play for Hartford, but that's not an option right now. So, so annoying. I don't think the Rangers are going to burn a year of his entry-level contract by right. sticking him on the NHL roster unless he absolutely lit training camp on fire. But my expectation for him is that he's he's probably going back to the OHL, and then next year you'll see them really try to carve out a spot for him, I think, going into the 23-24 season. Mm-hmm. You're okay. going to have to tell Carve I say hello his contract. next time you talk to him. To who? To Bobby? To Carve. To Carve. Coach Carve. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We, we, he, yeah, he, he's awesome. Every time I, I text him or ask him, like, I have a question, he, he always gets back to me, and he, he's, he's great about answering my phone mm-hmm. call. So, as you might imagine, he had some really good things to say about Bobby. Not about me. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> but, um... I, you know what? I didn't ask him about you, Johnny. <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> okay. But, Vince, okay. one, one thing I did want to get into and, and ask you about was – we had free agency Rangers made 
you know, some really good moves. Um, got rid of Nemeth and a, a few other guys here, but one guy who's lingering obviously is, is Tyler Mott, right? We don't really have the money to sign him anymore, but my question is like, why didn't the Rangers, you know, instead of signing Halak for that 1.5 million, like why didn't they just use Deming as our backup and then grab Mott with that extra money or, or something along that uh, those lines? Well, Listen, a lot of these scenarios, and I've gotten a lot of them tweeted at me and emailed to me in the last couple of weeks where you could say, okay, well, if they got rid of this guy, they that would right. shave a little bit of money off, and then of they course. could possibly bring Mott back. So Halak is at 1.5, right? Yeah. And Deming, I think, is like 800 or 7 yeah. something. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So so I guess that could represent like 750, 800 in savings. But Mott. Listen, what I heard from the get-go was that Mott was looking for a $2 million contract. Now, maybe at this point, because he's been sitting around for so long, he's going to have to accept less than that. How much less? I don't know. It's not going to be a million. Like, he made more than that last season. It's not going to be a mil. It's going to have to be, I would think, at least 1.5. And I'm still sure, I'm sure he's still hoping to get close to two. The thing with the Rangers right now, as far as the salary cap stuff is concerned, and I, and I, I wrote about this multiple times in the last couple of weeks. I was tweeting about it again today. Now that we know what the Kako number is, and, and the Kako thing was really important because I had reported like a month ago, listen, it's going to be a bridge deal. They're close on the terms. Everybody's confident that it's going to get done. And then yep. it lingered for all these weeks. And everybody was wondering, why haven't they signed him yet? And I said this on my podcast this week. The thing with them is they, they obviously weren't very concerned about an offer sheet that never came for him. And so they felt like it, it would behoove them, meaning Chris Drury and the Rangers, to wait it out. They were the whole time they were haggling between 2 million and 2.5 as that AAV, which doesn't sound like a big difference, right? But by getting him eventually to agree to the 2.1, that leaves them with, by my projection, roughly 900,000, a little under a million dollars in cap space. So that's a little bit of breathing room for them to start the season for, for, well, potentially for a call up. But even more importantly, I'm telling you what, what they're eyeing, what they are thinking about is, and you know, I don't, I'm not going to get too deep into the math here, but over the course of the season leading up to the trade deadline, they can accrue cap space. So every day that you're under the cap, you basically add a little bit each day. You add a mm-hmm. little bit each day to your available cap space. And the rough calculation, if you start the season with just for argument's sake, let's say a million dollars under the cap and you maintain that throughout the season, obviously it's going to fluctuate. But if you maintain that $1 million, the rough calculation is you multiply that by four, and that's what your available cap space will be at the deadline. So by going with, by keeping it at 900 right now, you multiply that by four, it's a little more than four, but you roughly they'll have about about $4 million Mm -hmm. at the trade deadline. Now with that $4 million, they believe that that will give them the ability to go out and address any weakness that they feel that they uncover over the course of the season. And you saw how important that was for them this past season. They had that cap space and they made full use of it to address the needs at forward and do everything that they felt that they needed to do to bolster their roster for the playoffs. So 900 is a comfortable number for them because they can get it up to four and they can do some cap gymnastics by sending guys down on off days and stuff to even maybe push that number up close to five or so by the trade deadline. But if they had given Kako, let's say 2.5 and left themselves with only 500,000 right now, well, you multiply 500,000 by four, 
that's only about 2 million you'd have at the trade deadline. So the difference for them between Kako at 2.1 and Kako at 2.5 is that they're going to have maybe double the amount of cap space at the trade deadline, which will give them a lot more flexibility to go out and add a piece, whoever that might be. The same thing goes for Mott. You could you could talk about ways where maybe if you you know you get rid of one guy and you sign Mott and you squeeze it in, you know, maybe they could probably find a way to make it fit under the salary cap. But if they go into the season with only a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in cap space, they're not going to have much maneuverability at the trade deadline. So I believe that that is what the main concern is here. It's not can we finagle a way to fit Mott? They maybe could find some kind of way to squeeze it, but then you're going to come to the trade deadline and you're going to be stuck with what you got. You're going to have a really hard time going out and adding a piece. So I know that was kind of long-winded, but that is no, a makes sense. gist of what it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes long story that makes short. Sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but um, so all right, so to add, that makes sense, and and to add to that, so obviously, you know, we thought the Rangers were going to grab a vet D man, and they ended up not doing that, and now they move Nemeth. So for that last D spot on the third pair, is it ultimately probably just going to be like an open competition between, you know, Niels, Jones, whoever else to grab that last spot? Yeah, I, I think it will be. Now, there's still a possibility. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they bring in some kind of a cheap, low-cost veteran to compete at training camp. But right now, I believe that the plan is to let those guys battle it out for a spot. And the three main guys, I think Jones would be a slight, slight favorite especially because mm-hmm. he plays on the left side. You know, he's a natural lefty. Yeah. Lundquist is a righty, but Lundquist is the other guy. And I also think that Matthew Robertson is a sleeper mm-hmm. and, and he brings a much different skill set than the other two, not nearly as offensively gifted, but he moves the puck pretty well. And he's a much, much bigger dude. He's like six foot four, two ten, two fifteen. Like, and you know, knowing a coach like Gallant, he likes those guys that he feels like can hold up defensively and have the size to hang back there. He's not the most, physical guy but he defends really well from what i've seen he's got great reach i I was really impressed with his ability to use his stick to defend Mm -hmm. and and poke check and take pucks away from guys at development camp i know the rangers are still fairly high on him you'll definitely see him somewhere in my prospect rankings so i think those three guys will each have an opportunity i would give jones a slight edge going into camp but i believe that the rangers should let those guys battle it out and let one of those guys start the season in that role, because you can't keep sending all of these guys to Hartford. At some point, they got to get a real NHL chance. You got to figure out what you have in them. And then the guys that don't make it, the guys that fall behind in the competition, I think you got to explore trading them because you can't hold these guys forever. Their value is going to deteriorate over time. So for, for me, the logical thing to do, and it does look like this is the path they're heading is letting Jones, Lundquist, and Robertson battle it out. And then the other two probably go to Hartford and then are eventually used as trade bait, I would say. It also destroys their confidence if they're just interchangeable the entire season. Like when Jones starts to feel good and then they throw Lundquist in for him, like, you know, that only sets you back a little bit mentally. But I I do want to move into next season as a whole because a lot of guys this year stepped up. Kreider had 52 goals. Igor won the Vesna. Foxy had another great season. Mika almost had 30 goals. Lafreniere is 19. Miller has Panarin, a great year. 96 Panarin, points. 96 points. All these guys overperformed probably what we thought they would do last season, right? So going into next season, who do you think has the most pressure to perform to their ability from last year? Well, pressure, it's still going to be the star guys. It's still going to be Panarin, especially coming off the playoffs where he said at breakup day that he feels like he can be better. And he sounded very motivated to be better next season. 
obviously Igor, obviously Mika, obviously Kreider, Fox. I mean, you guys know the names. That's where the pressure will lie. Those are the guys that need to lead the team. But to me, whether or not this team takes the step from becoming now what is an established playoff team, a real contender, to being a team that can win the Stanley Cup, it's all, all about the kids. Mm -hmm. They don't have any flexibility. We just talked about the salary cap stuff. They have over 70% of their salary cap tied up in, I believe it's seven guys right now. All the, all the big money guys that we mentioned, plus Trocek and Truba. So those guys are the core of this team and they've devoted most of the money that they have available to them. So in order for this team to take the next step, I believe that the young guys who are either still on their entry-level contracts or guys like Kako now who are on a cheaper bridge deal, you're going to need to maximize the potential of those guys while they are still young and cheap in order for this team to really take the next step to me that is going to be the theme of the season i've already hammered this a little bit in some of the stuff that i've written and i feel Mm. like this is like a column that's going to be coming from me probably (laughs) during training camp or something but it's all they only become a team that can compete for a stanley cup if a lot of these young guys that they invest all right, Vince is back. We lost him for a second. He he took a quick dip in the pool, but we're good now. <laughs> Vince, I, I did want to um, circle back because you mentioned, you know, 70% of our cap is tied up for quite a while now. And we have some pretty big decisions to make this next coming season on guys like Lafreniere, uh, Keandre, and others. So I was curious if you think it's potential and poss- there's a possibility that someone like Heedle or Lindgren may end up being an unfortunate cap casualty for us unless Drury finds a way to move a big contract. Yeah, finding a way to move a big contract is going to be really tough because you look at all the big contracts, pretty much all of them have no movement clauses and I yeah. can't just see those guys agreeing to it. Uh, most of those guys all want it to be here for a reason and I don't think they're going to be looking to get out or be able to convince, you know, be convinced to get to leave. So right. I do think uh, some people were asking me if I thought it was going to happen in season this year. No, I don't think they're going to tr- look to subtract anybody in season around the trade deadline. Right. But I do think looking ahead to next summer, you're going to have some really difficult decisions to make. I think next summer, the cap situation is going to be even tighter than it was this year. Now, a lot of that's going to depend on what kind of season does Lafreniere have? What kind of season does Miller have? What are they asking for in contract negotiations? Cause right, right now it's hard to even ask about that because the ranges are going to be so wide. Yeah, of course. But I do think that there's at least a decent chance. I put this in my story today about Kako next year. And this is assuming that Othman and Cooley are on, are in the lineup. They're going to need young, cheap guys. Like I talked about like that to eventually start impacting this roster more. So I penciled Othman and Cooley in, that gives them 14 guys under contract next season with only 15.75 available cap space. So 15, a little over just under 16 million to pay Miller, to pay Lafreniere, to pay Heedle, to pay Kratzoff, to pay Zach Jones. So, and, and any other additions that they might want to make. So it's going to be really, really tight for them to fill those final eight or nine spots on the roster next year. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do, but I could envision a scenario where a tough decision has to be made. You know, I don't think they're going to want to get rid of a guy like Lindgren, but he is a guy that doesn't have a new, uh, no movement clause. I don't think they're going to want to get rid of a guy like Barclay Gaudreau. Obviously they made a priority to go out and get him last Mm -hmm. year, but you know, he's a guy that, that is at least, I think he has a 15 team, no movement clause. So at least, you know, 
there are 17 other teams that you can trade him to. You know, Heedle definitely could be in that conversation. They want to see how the season plays out before they even start thinking about that. But they are very, very well aware that difficult decisions might be coming. I want to stick to Lafreniere and Miller because Rangers Twitter has fallen in love with the two of them. I'm I'm a huge Lafreniere guy. I love him so much. And obviously I love Keandre as well, but like Lafreniere is becoming my brand. But when you think about the two of them, Lafreniere is becoming your brand. Get out of here. He's my guy, my boy. But uh, when you think about the two of them and obviously their, their situation, in the lineup is somewhat limited, right? Because Lafreniere is going to have to play an offside. Keandre won't crack that top pair with Fox and Lindgren. Which one has the higher ceiling to improve next year in your mind? Well, for next season, Miller is going to be the guy that, well, I don't know. Cause if Lafreniere tough, plays right? in the top yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously upside wise Lafreniere was the number one overall pick. Yeah. So you'd have to think that in the long run, he's maybe the higher ceiling guy, but I feel like Keandre's ceiling is, is kind of unlimited because of the physical mm-hmm. skill set that he has. When you factor in the size, six foot five, the skating, which, I, you know, maybe somebody who, who has like been around more hockey than me or knows other teams, like the history of the game better than me could point to a guy at that size who skates that well. But to me, it's a thing of beauty to watch him skate and how mobile he is and how fast he is for his size. You factor in the reach, you factor in the defensive play, which to me was just getting better each passing week last season. And I do feel like there's, there's some offensive upside there too. I mean, in practice, when you watch guys unload shots from the point, you know, obviously Jacob Truba, I think probably has the most powerful shot on the team, but Miller's a guy who can really move it and can, and can really do some damage with that shot. I think over time as well, he also moves the puck. I mean, just there's pretty skater in the league. (laughs) There's really no glaring weakness in his game. And when you factor in the the six foot five with the skating, the the tools that other guys just can't match, I feel like there's an all-star potential in him as well. So those might be to me at this point, you know, we're not including Igor. He's already a Vesna trophy yeah. winner. He's a little older than those guys. As far as like the young players on the roster, I mean, Lafreniere and Miller are probably the two biggest upside guys. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely have to agree. And I, I wanted to point out Lafreniere is actually my guy, not Johnny's, but you're so full of shit, dude. Oh you're so God. full of shit. Lafreniere I've been saying it all Aaron year. Are my guys, but um, <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, you're good. Um, but yeah, Vince, you cool with like one more each? Yeah, yeah, for, for cool. sure. I, I, my, the internet's okay. My, I'm at, like I said, I'm at my dad's house. He does not. I don't know how the like the most. Let, let the excuses internet. roll in. It's cool. You're fine. <laughs> now, now you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, Johnny, you want to go first? Um, yeah, I do. Well, Vince, you do a great job, obviously, like all the beat writers do during the year covering the team. I just want to ask you like on a personal level, because, you know, we, we talk to you guys and it's only about hockey, but we don't talk to you about your experience on the job. Right. So in the summer, when you have to come up with all these different hypothetical scenarios, like how difficult is your job in the offseason as opposed to, you know, when there's 82 games in the regular season, there's constantly different storylines. Like you must be so happy this Kako thing's over just because you're probably sick of talking about it now. Like I have to imagine it, it gets repetitive and annoying. I mean, honestly, in the summer <laughs> for me, like I, I, I love the summer. I've always, yeah. uh, the summer to me is like a great time of year. I've always been a summer guy. My birthday was in the summer. So as a kid, I love that. And happy belated. But, but Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Happy belated. You know, honestly, for, for me, it's it's not hard to come up with content. Am I? Are you losing me again, you're guys? No, you're good. You're good. No, you're good. I was just for me, the summer, like content wise, 
I actually have to reel myself in because I have a lot of ideas, but I have to remind myself, like, you just work 10 months nonstop in the playoffs, seven days a week without any time off at all. Crazy hours, mm -hmm. crazy travel, not a lot of time with the family, you know, and th this year on a personal level, like this was the first year where I was traveling while having a son. And that is, that is no joke. Like that was probably the toughest part for me. Cause you always feel like you're missing stuff or you're not being helpful enough. And, and that is really difficult. That is, that was the most difficult part of the job for me for sure this year. But as far as coming up with ideas, I got a lot of things that I want to write about right now, including that prospect series that I mentioned, I'm, I'm putting the most work into that. I would say this summer, but I also have to remind myself, like, listen, it's okay to take a little time to breathe and relax and enjoy yourself and, and maybe play golf, which I used to love doing and I barely do anymore. Um, so I, I don't have a hard time coming up with the stuff. I just have to pick my spots and I've kind of planned it out where I'll have like right now I have a couple of weeks where I'm only going to have a story or two uh, and try to take it a little more easy. I just recorded the final episode of my podcast uh, yesterday. We're going to take August off for that. So I'm awesome. trying to find ways to like schedule yeah. it and like, okay, you, you can't work right now. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I love, I, I, to me, I'm fascinated by the inner workings of the front office and how these roster decisions are made and free agency and salary cap and all that stuff. So I, to me, there's a lot of interesting stuff to write about in the off season. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I try to pick my spots instead of like feeling like I need to write a story every single day. I'm not going to do that all summer long. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. I guess my last one is, what is one bold Rangers related prediction? It can be either a player team as a whole um, that you think will come true this year. Hmm. You guys aren't going to like this, but I do think that there's a, at least a decent chance that the Rangers don't go as far next year as they, as they did this year. I think a lot of things fell in their favor this year. I think that the team in a lot of ways, I believe maxed out as far as they could go last season. And these roads can be difficult. They can be trying. They can be up and down. You saw the Colorado Avalanche do it. They had to have, you know, some bad playoff runs and some disappointments before they finally got to the promised land. You saw it happen with the Tampa Bay Lightning. To me, it would not be a shock if the Rangers are still a year two, whatever it might be, away from really being a true Stanley Cup contender. Like the way that they look right now, I do think, as I mentioned earlier, the growth from the kids is going to be the number one biggest key for them this season. If those guys, the, the important young players, make a jump, then the sky might be the limit for this team. But a lot of those guys might need another year or two before they really reach their potential or really ready to play key roles on a championship caliber team. And, and I look at the Rangers right now, and then I watch what I watched with the Colorado Avalanche, and I'm like, I don't know if they're at that level yet where I could see them getting to a Stanley cup final or winning a Stanley cup final. So I hate to end it being a downer. I mean, I can make a bold <laughs> prediction like Kratzoff is probably going to be in the lineup, yeah. but I think everyone's expecting that. Now I can make a bold prediction like Zach Jones makes the, you know, the lineup or something like that. Those, those things cool. I believe will be true. That, yeah. That's yeah, those, understandable. Those are kind of I mean, to me, to, to me, the way the roster looks on paper right now, there are reasons to believe they could be better, especially, you know, I'm going to keep harping on the kids if the kids are better. But do I think they're going to make the Eastern Conference final again? If you ask me today, I think that's a that's a pretty tall order. Now, Igor is the X factor. Like yeah. he could prove me wrong. He could carry them through the playoffs and he could make some magic happen. We've seen Lundqvist do it. And Igor looks like he has that same gene mm -hmm. in him. So maybe I'll look stupid for saying that. But if I'm asking, you're asking for a bold prediction, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a, a slight step back. 
before yeah. before really making the leap forward. Yeah, I think just getting them as a you know consistent playoff performer for a couple of years would be huge. And then yeah, I mean I I could That's see that our whole going, lives. <laughs> right, exactly. I could I could see that going either way. But I'm not even disappointed disappointed at that. I'm disappointed because I was teeing you up perfectly to give us some breaking news and tell us that we'll finally announce a captain and tell us who it is. But I guess uh, save that for a rainy you know, day. Yeah, we'll save it for a rainy day. <laughs> I could say this about the captain thing. Uh, I'm I'm done making predictions on the captain. I don't know if they did. I really don't sense that they see it as a priority at all. It worked out fine for them last season. I honestly got the impression uh-huh. from the players that they liked it. I think the players liked not having one guy who had all the pressure kind of sharing the responsibility. And I think there were different guys in the locker room that they felt like took on those leadership responsibilities better than others. Like I definitely think that Strom and Truba were more of the vocal guys. Kreider in ways, but I think Kreider is more just like the veteran guy that they all look to set the example just by watching him. And, and I think when he speaks, it carries a lot of weight. I think Mika is definitely the quiet leader that a lot of the young guys really look up to. So I think each guy kind of had their own role right. in, in that, in that leadership group. And there are young guys who are emerging too, like Fox and Lindgren are definitely emerging as leaders. You, we you could, could tell. You could tell that Lafreniere has some leadership qualities. I think he's, you know, at least a few years away from really being in that category where he would get a letter or maybe the C. But I, I don't know. I mean, Gallant did definitely did not think it was a big deal to not have a captain. The players seem to like it. So they've waited this long. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they go another season with just all the A's and no, no one guy wearing the C. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they changed their mind at this point. Like I've asked about it so much. I'm kind of like done asking about it. If it happens, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll write about it. But if it doesn't uh, happen, like they don't seem to think it's a big deal. So I, at this point, I, I, I don't see it as a huge deal either. They, they, mm-hmm. they really did seem to like the setup the way that it was last year. Yeah. We could break the precedent and give out a couple C's. It's fine. I um, thought it, to me, if it should have been anybody this year, it should have been Kreider. I still yeah. think that he sets the tone for that mm-hmm. locker room. And you can hear it in the way he talks to the media. Like he's very, calculated with what he says to get messages out there that he wants them to hear. He's super accountable. He, I almost feel like he prefers talking to us after a loss because he wants to stress the things that he feels like needs to be corrected after a win or like he scores a goal. Like he has no interest in talking about himself. Uh Um, So to me, he's like, he is the guy in a lot of ways, but for whatever reason, they haven't given it to him. And, you know, maybe they're going to wait and, and see and, and give it to somebody else eventually, or maybe they just keep going with the A's. I, for, for me, it's like at this point, I, I don't know what else to say about it. I just feel like they've been cool with it the way it is and, and they've stuck with it. Mm-hmm. They're starting a trend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But before we do let you go, we do have, unless Cody, do you have any final thoughts? No, no, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. We do have one more question. This is from a listener. So I'm just going to play this like little video he sent in to ask you. What's up, boys? It's Rami. First time, long time. Of course. I have a question for Vince. Vince, when are the Knicks getting Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> I have no idea. If there's one, <laughs> I, hate, I hate to say it. If there's one sport of the major sports that I don't pay much attention to these days, it's basketball. Right there uh, with I, you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I football was my favorite as a kid. Baseball, I love. I, I have Go Yanks, though. I, I have yeah, my. I grew up watching my, my grandfather religiously watched every single Yankee game. And every time I would go to his house, like that's the thing that we would do after dinner yeah. is watch the Yankees. So baseball will always have a soft spot in my heart in the winter. I've always preferred hockey over basketball and now it's my job. Yeah. So it's like, I, I just don't have any time to watch basketball games. So 
I can't. I mean, I know who Donovan Mitchell is. I know he's a Westchester guy, so that would be cool. Yeah, I know he's good, but I I can't give you any any basketball and opinions or hot takes. I don't really have any. You got to get in Celebrity Row courtside at a Knicks game next year. That'd be sick. I I don't think I meet the quota <laughs> or the uh, the standards for that. I don't know. Maybe just have a, a prime rib sandwich or the tacos, whatever you get courtside, and just get on that Dude, way. Those those might be my two favorite things to get there. The prime rib sandwich is probably number one, but that taco stand is the taco stand's amazing. Yeah, they had opened it, it up like halfway through the season, and I I'm you know such a taco I, guy. I, I you guys know I love my food, and like I've tried every concession stand there. So when they opened the taco stand, I was like, I gotta try this. The meatballs and- too. The meatball place, the meatball places. Well, I, I mean, I, from you, for you, you're probably just like, this is crap, but I'll, I'll say this. I actually, so I, I should take that back. I haven't tried every concession place because I have not tried the meatballs. And that's Refuse. because from, from a, as a kid. So my mother is a great cook. My grandmother is a great cook. I would say they're the best cooks I know. I mean, I'm sure everybody says that about their family, but to me, <laughs> the thing that my mother makes better than anybody that I would never be able to like find somewhere else that I like better than hers is meatballs. So from the time I was a kid, we were always taught it's like disrespectful to my mother to buy a meatball at a restaurant. So I don't order meatballs out. So I've never gotten the meatballs at Madison square garden. And I will not. I'm honestly craving that prime rib sandwich so much. I might even just buy a ticket to the next concert at MSG just to go get the prime rib. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I actually, um, uh, Colin Stevenson, you know, Colin. Yeah, of course. He was at he was at the Billy Joel concert there last week and he was like texting us all. He's like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I should be writing a story or like we were like, get the prime rib, get the prime rib. They closed it. I went to Billy Joel three months ago and it wasn't even open. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Really? I might might just be Rangers next thing. I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah, Vince, we appreciate your time. Yeah, this is great, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. And sorry about the Internet. I'm trying to live my my summer life and and you're good with you guys at the same time. So we won't bother you till October. You're a peacock and you got to (laughs) fly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for hanging with me on that. Thanks. All thanks. right. Take care. A big thanks to our buddy Vince for joining again the pod. I mean, he's super, super knowledgeable. And, you know, he said some re- he made some really good points there, honestly. And um, one thing I did want to touch on, Johnny, totally separate from the Rangers, but like Kadri still hasn't signed. And it's just kind of like mind boggling to me. Like, I, does anybody even have money left at this point? Like the Islanders do, <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. Cause they missed out on everybody else. Um, and they lost the lottery. Yeah. They suck. Yeah. I like, I'm just confused. I'm, I'm like confused. I don't know where, I mean, where do you think he's going? Well, not only him too. Remember, like all the JT Miller rumors have but that's died trade, down. Also. I, yeah. Yeah. I guess. I guess. That wasn't free I, agency. That was trade. Yeah. That was trade, man, because he signed this year. So like, if they don't want to, they could just move him at the deadline. Like it, it you know, they're still going to get a haul. They'll still get a first from him. If he's a point per game player, like he has been, you know, same thing with Kane and, and all those guys and whatever, but side note from Kadri, but it was such an interesting thing. What Vince said about how you like accrue money every single day on the cap. Like I didn't even think of that, but mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting because if they have around $4 million, like, and they want to go for it, they could literally acquire an expiring like forward on an eight, who's like an $8 million a year player. Cause it's half, it's half his salary. So like, that's like a, that's like a JT Miller right there. Like a Forsberg or something like just knowing that he's going to go and the, at the end of the season, cause whoever they sign, I mean, there's they they, they, they next year, dude, they like, I'm not even kidding you. Like their free agency is going to be Lafreniere, Keandre, make a decision on Heedle and Lingren. 
and like some random like forwards like Ryan Carpenter or like vet minimum, like whatever. And that's it. I'm really curious to see where Kadri ends up. And dude, even the Devils, would that be crazy? I well, don't... no, because they got Palat. So I don't know if they have the money now. They also do have Hughes and, and uh, he sure already has their like one and two centers. So I don't, I don't know. know there's got to be like a handful of teams that can get him. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the Ducks getting Klingberg was pretty interesting. Like, I wonder yeah. if Kadri does the same thing and is just like one year. You know what? I don't yeah, think he'll one, do one year. Dude, a one year and then reset. Yeah, I guess not. Cause he, how, how is he going to have a better year than the year he just had? No, he's, he needs a long term deal. Something, right? Yeah. 32. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I guess the last thing I wanted to say was, do you think, like, if you looked at all the deals that happened and, you know, do you think the Metro is still for sure the best division? Out of the four in the entire NHL, yeah. Um, like I, I, I think they are because are you Columbus, saying ta- like talent or just like teams, like teams wise? Because they were the best before, but like now they got you know, the, the Devils got better, arguably, right? Mm-hmm. Columbus got better, arguably. The only team that got worse is the Flyers, and they're you know, the Flyers. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm off the top of my head, I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to be biased, but I do think that the Metro would be the most competitive division. Yeah. Out of, out of all four, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Maybe not the best, but the most competitive for sure. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really have much else. Um, the last thing I'll say is any Quinn 92 fans. He has his new single coming out this Friday, which I'm hyped for. I love him. He's my favorite. I know but, that's your boy. Oh, yeah. also actually I did have one last thing to say. Did you see mm-hmm. the um, Arthur staple did a interview with Lafreniere? No, I didn't see uh, that. Yeah, he did an interview with Lafreniere. He, oh, yeah, because you don't. So if you subscribe to The Athletic, mm-hmm. my buddy sends it to me. So he he like and did a whole Q&A with him. And mm-hmm. I guess we were wrong because basically Lafreniere is like, don't give a shit if I'm left or right. Just put oh, me really? there. And, yeah. And then he was wow. like, he also asked, would you prefer to be? He must have. He must have obviously Vince gave him the tip off on, you know, my questions because. Uh-huh. He literally said, would you prefer being the third left wing or the first right wing? And Lafreniere's response was a great response, by the way. I'll do whatever the coach wants me to do, but I always prefer to get more minutes. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind being first right wing. So he's up for the challenge. And, you know, like I said, man, he's going to have a really good year. So I'm game for that. And I pretty much love him even more now after reading Mm -hmm. that interview. He's he's just the man. But uh, yes. But all right, I think that wraps it up, man. Yeah, we got another episode coming for you guys next Monday, so stay tuned and send in your questions. BlueCrewPod at gmail.com. We want to talk to you guys, so don't be afraid to send those in. We love you guys. Talk to you next week. Adios. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.